you, reinventors. This is Leslie Jane Seymour, and I'm the founder of this podcast and of CoveyClub.com. We are the reinvention gurus. If you are looking to reinvent, you've come to the right spot. In fact, wander over to CoveyClub.com and check us out. We have all kinds of information for you, downloads, essays, how-tos, and of course, we have incredible, fabulous writing from around the world all about the transitions in midlife, no matter what you're going through. Big or small, we are your reinvention first stop. So today, we are talking to Leanne Marie Webster, who is the creator of the No Regrets Formula and the host of the Full Self-Expression Forum. And completely what we're really crazed about star of Fancy Meeting Me Here, an autobiographical stage show. For all of you out there who are saying, okay, so she's an actor, whatever, big deal. No, she started as an attorney and it was in a very, in my opinion, not exciting area, which she will tell you about. Um, Perhaps not in her opinion too. (laughs) She got bored and left. But she is one of those people who knows how to ride the waves of things that come to her in reinvention. You will see she is a serial reinventor and she can see the opportunities that present themselves. And that's one of the big keys to reinvention is when you feel stuck, finding a way to see those opportunities. When you listen to her story, you will see they're all around you. You just have to see them. So enjoy Leanne Marie Webster. So welcome, Leanne. I'm so glad to have you on the podcast. This is really exciting. We're we're out here the week before your reinvention goes totally live. This is fantastic. (laughs) Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here and honored, honored, of course. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about how you got to your reinvention. Uh, Where did you grow up and what did you start out doing? Well, I grew up in Portsmouth, Ohio at the very southern tip of the state. Um, We moved to big city of Columbus when I was in middle school. And, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. The show is about my growing up and I feel like my life today is a million times different than what I thought it, it was even possible when I was young. So it's been a fun trajectory. <laughs> wow. Incredible. And so what were you before you, you started out as a lawyer, right? What kind of law did you do? I did. Um, I started as a lawyer. I'm hold on to your hats. Now I was a products liability defense litigation attorney for auto manufacturers. Oh my God. You're kidding. <laughs> How long did you do that for? I did that for about two years. Wow. Were you, I mean, was it exciting? It was, <laughs> you know, it is interesting in the sense that um, it, it was, you know, car accidents and seatbelts and airbags. And oh, it was okay. interesting to like learn how those things work at a, oh. um, and it just didn't feed my soul. And that's part, one of my first major reinventions was moving to California to become an entertainment lawyer and then realizing I didn't want to practice law at all. <laughs> oh, interesting. So you originally you thought you'd reinvent within your profession. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, after all that time and money and effort to become a lawyer, it's like right. I didn't want to throw it away. 
<laughs> How did you make that transition? We have a lot of lawyers who listen to this podcast and a lot okay. of lawyers in Covey Club who are trying yeah. to reorient first within their within their profession. Was that hard to say I'm going to go from auto claims to this? It yes and no. I mean, it was it was one of those things where um I found I just I just needed to make sure that my life meant something. And so for me, it was like how can I make my life meaningful to me and to others within the space of practicing law. So, you know, if I would have tried to, I think sometimes when we're reinventing or we're doing any kind of change, we try to jump too far. Uh And for me, it was like, no, what's like the next step? Well, the next step is enjoying the practice. So how could I enjoy the practice? Oh, I'm very passionate about music. Maybe if I practice entertainment law, then that could, could be a good transition for me. Um, and how did you break into that? And how long did you stay doing that? Um, well, I never actually ended up doing it. <laughs> oh, you just moved to California I, with the hopes? Yeah, I moved to Cal. Yeah, I'm a very, um, as you'll learn, <laughs> you've probably seen in my bio that I'm a very like, okay, let's just go for it. Like, it, on the one hand, it's like, I like to take the baby step. And on the other hand, I like to just say, you know, why not? I'm, I don't want to regret, you know, my whole thing is, live with no regrets. And I thought if I didn't move to California and at least give it a try, then I would always be in Ohio wondering what would have mm. happened if I would have tried it. Very and good. To, and the bigger thing to me was if I, if I didn't try it, I would, that would be a bigger, bigger pain point than if I did try it, didn't like it and came back. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. So just give us a two minute um, idea of what you ended up doing. You moved to California. What happened? Moved to California, took the bar, didn't pass the bar. Um, and while I was waiting to take the bar the second time, um, just to make money, I was a receptionist for my friend at her office because in California, they won't um, hire you as a lawyer until you pass the bar because it's a difficult bar. Um, and I started networking and um, I found the, um, I actually got an informational interview with a firm that had an entertainment litigation division. And I thought, oh my God, like this is my amazing dream job that I moved here for. And then they were just being nice and they didn't hire me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And so then what did you do after that? And how did you move into your no regrets area? Yeah. Well, the, so I ended up, um, I ended up passing the California bar the second time. And by the time, yeah, by the time I passed it, I realized I didn't want to practice law at all because I had had more fun being that receptionist for, you know, $15 an hour than I'd ever have practicing. Oh my God. That's (laughs) and. Talk about an indictment. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, um, and ironically, that same firm that had done the informational interview with me after I passed the California bar called me again and had a position and said, it's yours if you want it. Oh. And so I had just made this decision to not practice law at all. And then they get this kind of golden offer. And it was a pivotal moment because I remember thinking, you know, I, I went and talked to the partner you know, they had me go to his house on this bluff in Malibu. So it was like this roll out the red carpet. This could be yours kind of scenario. Wow. Yeah. And um, when he, and he said, Leanne, the job is yours. If you want it with one caveat, we run with the wolves. And if you take this job, it has to come first in your life. And I was like, oof. Like, wow. what an probably they tried to sugarcoat thing. it. <laughs> oh. Uh-huh. So I said no, because I realized when I had moved, I had moved to practice entertainment law, but more importantly, I had moved to take a stand for myself. And if I said yes to the job, then I would say yes to the firm and not to me. 
And so, and that really has led to, that was a key note in all of my transformation. Now I ended up doing court reporting sales and then I got into training, then I got into coaching, then I started an event business and I've kind of had this wandering path since then. So explain a little bit of, so we're up to the event business. What kind of events was that? <laughs> and we're moving very rapidly through, obviously, just so everybody realizes through a lot of reinventions, but sure. let's just put a few stakeholds on the things that are important along the way. What was yeah. the, event, the event business? Um, it was the speed dating business. So I ended up. <laughs> <laughs> you are hilarious. Okay. All right. Okay. Why not? Event Why not? Lawyer, entertainment lawyer to speed dating. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Okay. <laughs> Well, I was single and, you know, it's like you have your own right. needs first, right? That's right. <laughs> um, the So I ended up being the first person outside of the Jewish community to hold a speed dating event. And it became the largest speed dating company in Southern California. We were on national television. We were, it was like right moment, right time. Incredible. Did you <laughs> meet anybody? I did. I, it didn't stick, unfortunately. I'm still uh -huh. single. <laughs> but oh, I hilarious. Did. Okay. Was a, it was a very fun few years. <laughs> okay. And you were making money at it. I was. I was. Oh, wow. Incredible. So then what's next? So then after that, I sold the business to my business partner. And then I discovered coaching. And um, I ended up starting a new division and a company a legal services company called professional development slash professional coaching. So it was kind of like the marriage of my legal background because I focus on the legal industry and all of my marketing skills from having the business and then my coaching skills that I had just developed. It was a great marriage. And what was that called and how long did that last? That was um, through uh, Spherion and it was professional development services and it lasted about a year and a half. Uh-huh. And Okay. And so now where are we? Where are we in this story? I want now to get up to today. How far know, away right? are we? We're, yeah. we're, we're getting close. Oh, then I went into, oh, this was a good one. Good marriage too. Marketing and business development for international law firms. I did that for seven years for two different firms. Oh, that's and interesting. Yeah. That was like, again, the marriage of the selling to firms, the attorney background, the marketing and business development background. Um, and then that brought me to Chicago and um, 12 years ago, I started my own business where now I'm doing the transformational coaching, the motivational speaking, and, um, and I have to have the show. So explain all of that in order, <laughs> some kind of <laughs> logical order, because I think our listeners by now are going, ah, I know, I know. They want to follow you a little bit. So yeah. we need to understand, are you kind of like a ping pong ball going through the machine, just going ping, 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 or do you have a direction or... Maybe explain these last three and then kind of how they kind of hang together. Sure. The, um, I, I, can, I can draw a thread through all of them, actually going all the way back to the attorney, because I feel like what's been interesting about my journey is I can, it's kind of like a, if you're thinking about a, a brick path that you're laying, it's like one brick next to the next brick next to the next. So the marketing, the, having my own business, the entrepreneur experience with the events, and then leveraging that marketing experience to do with my legal background, to do the marketing and business development. Um, and while I was doing that for the firms, it felt really good to have, you know, the high profile position and work for these big law firms, but my entrepreneurial heart was singing again. And so I thought, well, okay, let me, let me leave this and then start my own thing again. And in the course of that, I had started running 
And so I decided to, um, I thought I would start as a motivational coach for women runners, right? So the original business was Busy Girls Guide to Running because I had discovered running late in life. And I thought, well, I can help other women along that path, not to be professional athletes, but you know, I can take, right. combine the coaching with all that. Um, and then I started hosting events as I was doing that. So pulling again from the event background that I had. In the midst of that, within the first year, I organically had business clients instead of running clients because everyone came to me and saw my business acumen and said, well, can you help me with you know, my marketing or, or my business development? And I kind of, so I could leverage those things into helping businesses. And that kind of evolved into um, doing the transformational coaching because then I would tell my story and someone would say, oh, wow, you've been through a lot. You've changed yourself a lot. How do you do that? And that's what ultimately led me to creating the no regrets formula. Cause I realized over the course of my life, I have, I have been following a formula. It just, um, and it allowed me to step into different things without, um, and be successful in different things. Yeah. I'll leave it like that. So what is the no regrets formula and what, how, what, how does that apply to someone listening? Yeah, it's, um, it's six pillars. So it's commit, connect, create, conduct, credo, and crew. And the first step of it, the commit is the big, is the really big one. It's that committing to self first. So thinking about where I, you know, moved to California to become an entertainment lawyer, what I really was committing to there wasn't the goal. It wasn't a role of being an attorney. It was more, I want to do something that makes my heart sing. And I think that's where we get sideways sometimes is we commit to, something that feels too familiar or we do a stretch goal and we commit to only doing the goal and we never take a moment back to say, is this goal still resonant with who I am? Does that make and, sense? Yeah. Yeah. And so what do you do with that? The, what do you do with the no regrets formula? Do you, do you teach people that? Do you, but what, what's going on with it? Oh yes. Sorry. Um, I have, so there's a few different ways that I, I, work with people on it. I have a one-on-one -on -one program where we do, I call it true 90. So it's a 90 day program where we focus in on um, two areas of life that we want to focus on. And then we walk through the pillars and we apply them because if you, because part of the pillars also are creating your plan and then connecting to it. And then what are you doing in your conduct in order to create change in your life? Who is supporting you? Who's your crew? Who's helping you make these changes in your life? So it's a one-on-one -on -one to actually apply each of the pillars. Okay. Mm -hmm. And keep going. What else? And then I've got a, <laughs> I have a, a video series if someone just wants to, you know, kind of play your own game. I've got um, that. You can DIY it. And then I also have a group called True Life Crew. And that's where um, we get together twice a month to support each other. It's the community aspect um, and looking at that crew part, right? Who is helping you to make changes in your life? Similar, I'm, I'm sure, on a micro level of what you do with Covey Club. Right. Yes, the support the support part is really super important. And yeah. um, doing this stuff alone, I do not recommend. It's really too hard and too lonely and too scary yeah. to do by yourself. But if you yeah. do it with other people, it's amazing how much better yeah. it is, right? Incredible. Absolutely incredible. And, you know, you need those people in your life that you can call when you have an off day or an off moment and... And you're like, can I do this or what's happening? And someone else who can give you perspective and encouragement and say, yeah, you know, it's just that happened, but it doesn't mean throw the whole dream away, you know, keep right. going. How can we help right. you? How can we support you? Right. 
and you never know where that's going to come from. It it really is a roller coaster. Yeah. And uh, you really do need that kind of support. Um, I know I've been through it. Like, yep. you know, in the morning, somebody will drop out of Covey Club. I'm like, oh my God, I'm dying. It's over. Right. And in the afternoon, two people join and you're like, I knew I could do this. Right, right. I'm a rock star. This is, you know, it's just, oh my God. And there's no one to share it with or to give you perspective that, yeah. hey, you were just in here saying, you know, you were dead. And, right. uh, and now you're like, do you see that this is, you can't look at it like this? <laughs> right. <laughs> so exactly. talk, now let's talk about your next reinvention. Holy moly. <laughs> what is the fancy meeting me here? Autobiographical stage show. What the yeah. heck? <laughs> um, it's that this is, this isn't me embodying living with no regrets, right? Like I had this crazy idea to, about two years ago. Um, because people have often found my story inspiring and they said, oh, you should write a book. And I thought, yeah, I can write a book. But one morning I woke up and thought, what if I did my own show? Like that would be a way more fun way to tell my story. Um, and so here I am. Um, it's, I talk about how there's an early tragedy in my life. Um, spoiler alert, my, my brother died when I was four and he was 12. Oh. Oh. And so the show is a lot about how... Um, how that impacted my childhood and also how I'm still connected with him. So there's a, it's, there's a, it's a good ending for all of that. Wow. Incredible. So how did you, how did you make this happen? I mean, these are, these are, I think people really want to know the how to. Sure. So, cause there are a lot of people I'm sure who don't come from a writing or storytelling background who have something like this that they would like to put out there, but they don't know how to go about it. Yeah. The the first thing I did was I realized when I got the idea that I had, I knew three people that were close enough that I could pick up the phone and call who had had their own shows. So um, the first thing I did was call those people because I believe that's, the, that's always the first step, right? Get, find someone who has done what you want to do or similar to what you want to do and start talking to them about their process. And um, how do you, how do you feel gutsy enough to do that? When you say that, that sounds very easy coming from you. Mm -hmm. But I know, and I've felt it myself like, oh my God, I can't make that phone call. They're going to think I'm an idiot. I didn't do any of this. I haven't done what they've done. How am I going to make that phone call? I have found, well, first of all, the surest way to not get any information is to not even make the call. That's true. And so, and the, and the best way to actually get the information or take your next step is to just make the call. And, you know, some people, there, there might've been people who would say, yeah, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to return the call or they won't answer or they won't give you the information. That's okay. Right. Not my people. I'll call somebody else. I have found most people are, who have been through the process, love sharing the process with somebody else, because it's like the more women who can tap into their story and share their story and inspire and encourage others and tell other women, I've been through it. You can get through it too you know, um, hold and hold each other up. Yes. The better place the world is. I agree with that. <laughs> it's just, I know that pit in one's stomach uh, when, you know, people say to you, Oh, just make the call to so-and-so. Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, you know, I wasn't calling like, you know, someone on Broadway, I was okay. calling somebody who, who I knew already. So okay. that was the crucial. The three were the women I had, I already knew. Okay. Um, and then 
um, and so they had conversations with me. And, and then the next level was I started talking to other women who, um, who I also knew. And I just said, do you know anyone who's done this? And I, I met a few other women who had done shows like that. Cause it was like, Oh, I haven't, but Susie just did one. And Oh my God, that's so bold. You have to talk with her. You'll love her. Hmm. And so then it kind of started at the, what I would call ground roots networking level, right? So-and-so knows so-and-so knows so-and-so. And how did you, did you work with somebody to write the show? Did I you did. Have- After I did that first level of like, okay, I'm actually going to go forward with it. Cause that was kind of my threshold question, right? Like, am I going to do this? It seems like a good idea. Right. <laughs> um, and then I ended up hiring a woman who had, was one of the women I called and she worked with me for a year and she put a whole program together just for me to, that had um, her mentorship. There was guidance from somebody else who had theater experience. We had graphic support. And we had um, uh, a writing coach for the beginning to help me flesh out the stories. And she really helped me mark out, like come up with the name, come up with the theme, come up with the first script and get me to like, okay, to take each step in the journey to, to until it actually got on stage. And how long did that take? Um, we started a little over a year ago. So it's been about 14 months. And did these people take a cut in what's coming or did you pay them up front or how did you do that? Oh, I paid them up front. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So what were the, what were the groupings of those people? Like um, the, the titles of those people. So somebody's, somebody's sitting there listening and saying, oh, I want to do that. Like, what do I need? Oh, totally. So I would find a, um, a writing coach, a specifically a writing coach who um, who has experience with solo shows. That's a little okay. bit of a different um, model than other theater shows. Um, I would, I ended up hiring a director um, and he helped me take it from, um, I don't have an acting background, by the way. I was going to say, how do you, <laughs> like, and you, and you like to act? Have you always, I mean, getting up on stage like that is terrifying for most people. That's true. And I've been a speaker for a long time. So I do have a speaking background um, right. and I'm in fact, a motivational speaker now is one of my other things that I do. So the, so, so speaking does not scare me. I actually really love it. And so I, I took that love of stage and now it was just translating it into the theater world, which is very different, but I had a director who helped me with that. So definitely someone you need. Okay. Who else? The other thing is I would, I like a coach slash mentor and that's someone who ideally has been through the process and can help you with the like, okay, right now we're going to focus on what does the story arc look like and help you, you know, with that piece. And like, okay, now that we've got that done, let's look at, you know, the name. Now that we've got that done, let's look at the graphic for it. Now that we've got that done, let's look at, you know, what day you want to do it and we'll create a production schedule back from that. So it was kind of like one person who helped me pull all the pieces together and help me stay focused so that a year ago when I was writing the script, I wouldn't get too distraught about what theater am I going to do? Cause I didn't need to think about it right then. So what is it that you're going to do? Can anybody come see you? Yeah. And where do they find your, the tickets for you and how does that play out for you? Is it a one shot or is this the beginning of something or how do you look at it? Um, so, oof. So much there. <laughs> um, this is a three night run. Um, it is in Chicago. It's on uh, June 22nd, 23rd and 24th. Um, 
And to get tickets, you can go to um, fmmhtix.com, which I'm sure we'll put the link in the show notes. Yeah, we will. Um, so so that's if you want to come see it. Anyone can come see it um, as long as you know tickets are available. I do recommend buying in advance. Um, beyond that, you know, I'm very open. I'm exploring doing a tour with it and going to other cities outside of Chicago. Uh, I'm exploring... What I would really love to do is, you know, at conferences, I'm often a keynote speaker at conferences, multi-day. And I think instead of having a comedian one night, um, it would be fun to have me come in and do the show one night. Oh, you know, interesting. Then do a discussion because it's a, it's a motivational show and it does bring up, you know, some interesting points about reinvention, about um, how the past does not equal the future, or how you can um, take all of your experience and turn them into fuel for the future. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> and then I get the impression that you're going to continue to reinvent with whatever it is that <laughs> you feel is the thing at the moment. You don't, you don't seem to want to put yourself into a track somewhere. Is that correct? That's true. Every time I do that, then I get really antsy. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, well, because I feel like I'm, I have a high creator. If you've ever done the wealth dynamics test, I'm a high creator. And so it's like, I like to create different things. And so what's fun for me is if I can take a creation and then um, find different places to do that creation. I found that's the best way for me to leverage. So, so taking the motivational speaking around the no regrets actually connects perfectly with the show because the show is that foundational story about my brother is my foundational story of the no regrets formula. So those tie together. And then when someone wants to implement that in their lives, that's where the coaching comes in. So I feel like it, it's fluid and yeah, something else might come along that I'll go for because why not? And one of the questions everybody asks me is how do you make enough money to live on all of this? Yeah, it's, um, so part of it is a, the show, I don't really, the show I'm hoping to cover expenses on, let's be real. Um, but the speaking that I do and the coaching that I do, um, those are the main revenue drivers that allow me to fund the other things. And do you have a sense of where you're headed in the future? Do you have, or you really just get to this thing and then see how you feel and then you pick the next direction? Or is, do you have a series of things you look forward to or work on? Are you working on multiple projects that lay out. I'm just talking to you as a very linear paranoid yeah. person who's afraid of not having something to do, but it may be that you have a different, you're more relaxed and I'm trying to get at, um, people have different ways of approaching life where sure. they're more relaxed. They finish one thing and then they take a break and say, what's next. Yeah. Are you more like that? I, I think I am to an extent. Um, and I'm also very much about, um, wanting to let the next step kind of find me. Oh, interesting. Um, I like yeah. that. I mean, like the show is a great example because I didn't, you know, if you would have asked me two and a half years ago, I would have never talked about a show, thought about a show. It wasn't anywhere on my radar. And then as I started kind of exploring, you know, what's my next big project? What am I doing just for fun? I love storytelling. I started doing the moth and I started looking at storytelling events because I thought that would help me be a better speaker. And also I just like storytelling. And then I woke up one day with the idea. So I feel like it found me and I'm really open to the next thing that will find me. How does 
because that's a very common wording. Now, I haven't heard it said like that, but um, I have heard other serial entrepreneurs say that you have to open your mind and see all the reinvention opportunities that throw themselves in front of you every day. Mm -hmm. How does one open one's mind up if you're not that person already? Yeah. To see all of that. Cause you obviously see that many of us are not seeing those opportunities. I talk to a lot of people who feel stuck. Mm -hmm. They feel like they they're stuck. They're twirling around in the same hole. Can't get out of it. How do you open your mind to that? I believe it's a dance. I think there's a, it's a dance between being simultaneously totally committed to you know, your business, your goal to the vision that you have, that you're, that the reason you've, you're doing what you're doing in life, right? It could be your career or your business and keeping yourself open to the opportunities that come along, but discerning when it's shiny object syndrome. Cause I I've uh -huh. seen people when it's, you know, Oh, don't do that. I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll do that. And they never land anything. Right. And I, and my story could sound like that. And yet I, I have landed on things. It's just, I've landed on, I've, I've landed in them long enough to, to be able to say, okay, I do like this. I don't like this. What do I like? Let me, let me go find another thing or let me tweak this a little bit. Um, one way I like to think about it is where's the free energy. So meaning, you know, putting the show together, of course it was a, it's a, really the idea started almost two years ago. So it's a process. And I certainly have put a lot of work and a lot of time and energy into it. And it has unfolded very seamlessly. You know, finding the person to mentor me, easy. Finding the director, easy. Finding the theater, easy. Writing the script, uh, time and relatively easy. So it was like, there's a lot of free energy there versus mm. other times when I've tried to, what my friend would call Rubik's cube it, right? Like, yeah, it's got to fit this way. It's got to happen this way. It needs to unfold this way. Mm. And when you're in that energy, it's, it creates, it creates more of that energy and it makes it so that, that those things that want to flow to you can't flow to you. Now you're sounding very California to me. I know I lived there for 12 years. <laughs> how do you, how do our listeners, as we're pulling into the end, you've given so many great tips already, but just one last time, how does somebody listening who doesn't, I mean, do you have to go to therapy? Do you have to, is it something you plug into? Is it just your personality? How do you open yourself up into that letting things flow to you? Is it stopping grasping? Is it, you know, is it kind of like that? Is it like the dating thing, which is all those friends of mine who say the minute they stopped trying to find somebody, somebody showed up. Somebody showed up. Yeah. Right. I mean, is it that? What is it? it it's a combination. It's a combination of things. Because I know that now I'm, you know, I, I have, I'm very in tune to like, I meditate, I have a gratitude journal. I, I write in my journal. So I'm very in tune to, what is happening in my world. And I'm also, you know, listening, I used to listen to the cassette tapes in California, right? Like uh, the Tony Robbins and everybody on tape, but I read books and I'm, I'm, I'm always in tune to 
what's happening and how I'm responding and feeling about it. And I think that's probably the biggest thing is really tapping into my feeling about it, right? Like, does that feel fun? Does that feel like something I want to do? Does that feel scary, but in a good way? Does it feel like, ugh, I don't want to do that at all? Does it feel like, oh my God, if I have to do that for an hour, I'm going to hate it, you know? And how can I adjust myself based on noticing all of those things and getting really tuned into what works and what doesn't for me? Hmm. All right. Well, I think we're at time. So what I want to do is find out where can everybody find you in general? How can they follow you? Yeah, the best spot is my main website, leannemariewebster.com. And that will get you um, information on No Regrets, information on the show. Um, can uh, connect to all my social media there. That's the easiest. Awesome. Leanne, thank you. I'm really interested in, I think it's a very different approach to life. And I think it's a very helpful one when you're trying to reinvent, to figure out how to let things come to you. It's a really interesting concept. Cool. Thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it helped you move along in your reinvention and open your eyes to seeing things that may have been there all along, but you may not have recognized as being there for you. If you enjoyed the podcast, please give us a review that helps other people find us. Do it on Apple Podcasts. That's the one that counts. Give us stars. We would love five stars. Please follow us there and also share us with friends who are in the transition stage. Again, it can be a big transition, little transition, life transition, you know, health transition, whatever it is. We want to help you. We have the info. We have the know-how. Please come join us. And if you're very serious about your transition and getting through it, whatever it is, check us out at CoveyClub.com. We have so much for you. And if you really want to get into it and make things happen, please come join us at CoveyClub.com. Join the club. We have amazing women who are all accomplished, serious, incredible people who want to share their experience with you, who want to learn from you. And boy, it's a wonderful thing to do together. You are not alone. We are all doing this together. That's why I created Covey Club because, man, I had to do it all by myself when they closed More Magazine. And that sucked. I don't want it to suck for you. So come join us. And until next time, we'll see you at Covey Club. Bye. Bye.